Welcome to the Quick Release Podcast. I am Scott Brock Wilson, and today I'm joined by Justin Lynch. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Scott. How are you? I'm doing well. We are here to discuss Fantasy Football Week 1. Fantasy is officially upon us. It started off with a bang on Thursday night with the Chiefs throttling the Patriots and putting up big-time fantasy numbers going into last night where... There were some surprises here and there on Monday night. We're recording this on Tuesday. But we want to jump right off with the new fresh bloods of the NFL. We're going to jump into the rookie running back conversation. And who were the biggest standouts for you, rookie running back-wise? And do you think they can actually keep it up? Well, obviously, the the first name you go to is Kareem Hunt. So here's my thing about Kareem Hunt. I was a little concerned in week one, I mean, obviously he's not going to get 44 points every week, but I was concerned a little bit about him in the receiving game because he had that big, long 78-yard touchdown, I think, in the receiving game. And other than that, he didn't really do much. He had four catches for 20 yards. So the fact that they used him in the slot in certain circumstances and the fact that they looked for him made me excited. But I'm not ready to go as far as to say that he's going to be a weapon in the receiving game as well as in the rushing game. In the rushing game... He had big chunks of yards. He had a really good yards per carry. He had a couple of big long gains, but his 148 yards weren't totally reliant on those big long gains. I think he's going to be fine as a running back, but if, if he can get the targets necessary to be a really top-level top, top level receiver at the running back position, that's going to separate him from ending the season in the top eight running backs and the top three running backs. I agree with that. I think, I think the big question is going to be whether he'll get carries and then also goal line carries because I do worry about West still taking carries away from Kareem Hunt down in that situation versus most the Kareem Hunt touchdown were long plays and that's more of the role I still see him in I like him a lot coming into the season and here's the thing he's not going to be top three he's not going to be top eight Kareem Hunt is not going to be a top 10 running back in fantasy this year in my mind I out of the rookie running backs that performed well this weekend, I am taking Kareem Hunt last out of the three behind the top two coming into the season in Cook and Fournette. Both of those players, in my mind, are going to be top 10 fantasy running backs. Kareem Hunt will not. Kareem Hunt will be top 15, maybe, in between that 10 to 15 range. We'll see. I just think the consistency is not going to be there. He was relying on big plays, in my mind, and there's still Chuck Hendrick West. Yeah, I mean, Jarkendrick West had two touches all game, and in a game that kind of got away from the Patriots at the end there, I would have expected Jarkendrick, if he was going to be someone who's going to get a lot of carries, or at least take enough away from Kareem Hunt that he wasn't totally getting 20 to 25 carries a game, that they maybe would have showed him a little bit more late in that game. I mean, it didn't make... I was surprised how little they used Jarkendrick West, especially after the Kareem Hunt fumble to open the game. It really looks like to me they're committed to Kareem Hunt. And if they're committed to Kareem Hunt, and if he's going to get 20 carries a game, he's going to be in the top 10. Here's the thing. as We we talked about it actually before the season. It was sort of ironic because it was right after our fantasy draft, about two days before Spencer Ware got hurt. We were talking about the Kareem Hunt. We were talking about Chiefs' situation. And we said all Chiefs running backs always do well, but the issue is there's a committee running back in Kansas City, and we feel like that always happens, that there's – two or three running backs, and whoever gets a starting job is going to do well. And we also always said someone always gets hurt for the Chiefs 
as a running back, and then someone will step up, whether it was like Niall Davis or Charkandrick West the past couple of years. And then needless to say, that happened two days later. I just don't see this continuing for the full season because we haven't seen anyone do that on the Chiefs in a while for like four or five years from when Jamal Charles did that. So I can't see the consistency there from Kareem Hunt's end. I still really like him a lot as a player just in general. And I mean, wherever you drafted Kareem Hunt, you weren't expecting him to be a top 15 running back. And now he's going to be for sure a top 15 running back, pretty much just based off of his 44 points in the first week. Um, I look at it, I would still much rather have Dalvin Cook, um, who had a good game himself, over 100 yards, was announced as the starter. um, And I look at Dalvin Cook down the road, he's just a much better runner and player. And yes, he's in a worse offense, in a worse team, debatable worse team, but definitely a worse offense with Sam Bradford. I still like Dalvin Cook, and I I don't really think that's close in my mind. I would take Kareem Hunt over Dalvin Cook. My issue with Dalvin Cook, and it's not it's not that I think Dalvin Cook's a bad player, but New Orleans does not have a good defense. We saw what happened yesterday. If Sam Bradford tears you up like Sam Bradford tore up the Saints yesterday, I mean. You don't. That just means the Saints do not have a good defense. And Dalvin Cook, whether it was the play calling, whether it was first game not being as good as he's going to be in a month and a half, or if he's just not that good yet, he didn't have a good game. And I know he had a good game stats-wise. You look at the final box score, and he had a lot of yards per carry, but he had two long runs. He had like 50-yard run at the end of the game, and he had a 30-yard run in the third quarter. And other than that, he probably only averaged 3 to 3.1 yards per carry. He didn't score. And he really didn't do anything in the receiving game. He had three catches for 10 yards. So he goes up against a better defense. And he doesn't get those long runs. And he's really not having a good game. Kareem Hunt, they have enough weapons on the outside. And they have a better offensive line. And they use him in a, in a more variety of ways. That I think he's going to be able to make plays. And, and the other thing about this is I just think Kareem Hunt is, is super talented. I think he's good enough to... I mean, he's not going to get... 40 points a week, but I think he gets you 17 points a game. There's no reason he can't get you 80 yards and five catches for 60 yards every single game with the amount he's going to get used. Delvin Cook, on the other hand, I think there are games where the Minnesota offense gets shut down, and I think there are games where he averages 2.6 yards per carry, and I don't think they're going to use him at the goal line. He's high on the receiving end of Kareem Hunt right now, and I don't see him getting that 50 yards a game, 40 yards a game receiving-wise. I see both Cook and Hunt in a similar light. They're not great receivers. And I think Cook, his role right now is just sort of starting in the Minnesota offense versus Kansas City committed all the way into Kareem Hunt week one. We're going to give you a ton of touches. You got, we're going to use you in the game, passing game. We're going to rush. Like that was Pete Kareem Hunt right there. Like that's not a bold statement saying he's not going to get 44 points again, but just – that they used him a ton versus Dalvin Cook. He got announced a little bit beforehand. It sort of happened. It was, I just think there's a lot more to come and a lot more development out of Dalvin Cook throughout the year. And I think he's a better player in general, hence why he was drafted, you know, in the second round or whatever, even though he should have been in the first. I look at Dalvin Cook as by week seven, he's going to be putting up big time numbers every single game. I think he'll finish in the top 10 this year. 
I, I see what you're saying with that. I think there's some level of you can't make up for that bad of an offensive line. And I, I disagree with you in terms of how talented Dalvin Cook is. I was kind of low on him coming out of the draft. I thought they kind of reached for him in the second round. And I thought Kareem Hunt's much better value from where they got him. And the other part of this is Dalvin Cook is their running back. I mean, they may have announced it later. They may have been a little more wishy-washy. They signed Latavius Murray in the offseason. Latavius Murray and J- Jarek McKinnon might as well have not been on the field other than McKinnon returning kicks. Because Dalvin Cook was out there every play. He was their three down back. And touches-wise, Murray and McKinnon got more than Charkandrick West. But in terms of who was the lead back, I think it was very, very clear in both situations who was the lead back. I agree with that, but I, I'm more usage-wise because that Minnesota offense is stagnant. Yes, they went off first. The Saints and Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs both had good games. That's not going to happen. There are going to be games where Sam Bradford throws for 150 yards. But the X factor in that offense, and the only real threat in that offense, is Dalvin Cook. And that's why I like Dalvin Cook. And that is also why I like Cohen for the Bears going forward long term. Because the Bears have no one. Especially with Kevin White out. Like, are we going to count on Kendall Wright being a big play guy all of a sudden? Is Marcus Wheaton going to come out of nowhere and be a star? No. So I look at him as the only explosive player where Jordan Howard's more of a more of a conservative running back. And so they can get Cohen involved in all sorts of different ways, including the one touchdown Jordan Howard had was a handoff from Cohen in the wild wildcat formation. So I think that's something where if you're the one dynamic player on your offense, they'll figure out a way to use you in both Minnesota and Chicago. I mean, I... I think Stefan Diggs is a dynamic player, first of all. And in in Chicago, I understand what you're saying. I Jordan Howard, I wouldn't say he's dynamic, but he's a guy who pull who rattled off chunks of yard last year. He I mean he was he finished with ten plays of twenty or more yards last season, and he's a guy who averages who averaged five point two yards per carry. So he's He's still there, and he's still their lead dog, and he's definitely going to steal the goal line carries. So from that standpoint, I don't, I'm don't. i not a huge Tariq Cohen fan. I think if you're going to go all in on Tariq Cohen, it needs to be in a PPR because you need those receptions. I mean, he had five carries for 66 yards on Sunday. He's He'll likely get more than five carries going forward, but if he only gets eight carries, you can't expect him to get 50 yards rushing every game. His money's going to be in the receiving game, and probably honestly in the return game as well. He's probably going to get a couple of return touchdowns, but those things you can't count on. I think I, I agree with that. I was also shocked at how the bears didn't use Howard as much. If you look at the last six or so games of last season, Howard was a stud. They handed it to him every time they got him involved every single time on offense. That was their guy. That was their dynamic person who he's going to touch the ball almost every single play on offense. And they just pounded him and used him and used him. And that was so different from what they did in game one, in week one this year. So I, it, there's such a big change in my mind from what I saw last year with the Bears at the end of the season to what we just saw in week one that I think, I think Cohen can earn more and more reps going down the line. And I just think he's more dynamic. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Howard this year. I don't think that. But... I'm, I was I was surprised by the Bears in their usage. Well, I think that has to do with the matchup because if you're the Falcons and you're playing against Mike Glennon 
in his first start in Chicago, and they have no receivers, Cam Meredith and Kevin White injured, you say, this is what we're going to do. Jordan Howard's their best player on offense. Let's stack the box, exactly what they did, and force Mike Lennon to throw. And because of that, you saw in a low-scoring, a relatively low-scoring game, the attempts for Chicago way down. If teams can start to respect that pass, whether it's Mike Lennon or Mitch Trubisky, whoever ends up being the quarterback there for the majority of the season, it's going to provide more opportunities to run the ball, and it's going to be more carries for Howard and more carries for Tariq Cohen. So I don't look at um, Howard's 13 attempts this week as they don't want to give him the ball anymore. I look at it more as Tariq Cohen had a really hot hand, and they were ready to give him the ball, and the Atlanta Falcons were giving them the pass. So he, I think the big question is, will teams come to respect that? Because that's a really good point. It, it's 100% they stack the box a lot. But is Mike Glennon going to be enough to come to respect it where the Bears are going to win two or three games in a row and you're like, okay, we got to back off. Like, we can't just stop Jordan Howard, even though there's still no one on the outside receiver-wise. Well, if Tariq Cohen keeps playing I, like he was in the receiving game, now maybe I should start thinking about stopping him. And that would, that would create more rushing attempts for either of them. And it almost sort of turned into a type of backfield with what the Panthers are sort of hoping for with McCaffrey and Samuel and Jonathan Stewart type of thing where they just have a lot of running backs. There are going to be two running backs in there a fair amount of the time, and you never know what's going to happen in the receiving game or running game. I think that's a good point. Let's touch on someone we, you mentioned earlier we didn't really touch on. It's Leonard Fournette, who had a huge game. He had 100 yards on 26 carries and a touchdown. I wasn't super impressed by him in terms of watching him play. I thought Kareem Hunt looked a lot better. Uh, I thought Tariq Cohen honestly looked a lot better. And he wasn't really much of a factor in the receiving game. Granted, they um, they had a big win. I think Fournette's going to... He's going to get a lot of carries. And you... I mean, we, looked, we saw what happened with Melvin Gordon last year. I mean, you just can't substitute that number of touches. With that said, I think if he plays against really, really solid run defenses, and I think if Blake Borders is really, really terrible, like we think he is, those yards per carry numbers weren't good. They were not good in week one, and I'm not sure how much better they're going to get. It, so, I agree with that. I think he's going to get an insane amount of touches this year because you're just going to hand the ball off, especially with Allen Robinson being hurt now, even though I think that hurts Leonard Fournette in the long run. Less, less deep threat there, less of a passing threat. It's just, it takes away another component from the Jaguars' offense. However, the Houston rush D is not bad. Houston defense in general is a top defense in the league. And if you're looking at those linebackers in the, D, in the, in the front, that's a very, this isn't the Saints. This isn't what Dalvin Cook just did. This was against the Houston Texans. This is a good defense. But what benefited him a lot was, we're smacking him. We're up 20 to nothing. We're up 27 to 7. So he's, I don't, he's not going to have these types of games every game because the Jaguars are not going to win many games, just in general. So I look at it. I, still, I think Fournette will be a top 10 running back this season just because of the pure touches, and I do think he's really good. But don't expect this type of production because Jaguars aren't going to win. They're still going to need to play catch-up and hero ball and Blake Bortles is still going to throw three picks every other game. And Leonard Fournette's not in, involved in the in the passing game. Passing. And the other part about even it is... Even though 
even though they were hyped, they, that was the big concern coming into it. And then all of a sudden they started hyping it up all, all that's all we heard about in preseason was Leonard Fournette can actually catch passes. TJ Yeldon's not going to be used, but we'll see how, we'll see how that plays out for the rest of the season. And the other part of it is Houston doesn't have a bad run defense. They don't, but I mean, JJ Watt missed time in the game with a finger injury. Brian Cushing left with a concussion. It was a perfect storm, as you said, of them beating up on Houston and some injuries in that front seven for Houston. And just, I mean, they, Alan, they lost Allen Robinson midway through the game. They were forced to run the ball. I think Leonard Fournette's going to have a good year, but I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing 60 to 70 yards as the norm as opposed to 100. I, I agree with that, but the difference between that and a Dalvin Cook, who may get 100 or I think we'll start getting 100 by the end of the season, is exactly Fournette gets the touchdowns because you're not going to give it to Denard Robinson or TJ Yeldon. You're going to give it to Fournette. He's going to pound it. And so if he gets you 70 yards, a touchdown, and one catch for 10 yards, you're fine with that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Let's hit on a couple more running backs I want to talk about. As we move past the the rookie situation, a couple of – Waiver wire guys, I think, are a little interesting. Chris Thompson and Shane Vereen, both definitely PPR threats. Both had good games in week one. And neither of those teams have a running back that's like a real person. Rob Kelly is awful, and Paul Perkins might be even worse. Both those guys had good games. Chris Thompson on the back of a couple of big plays. Just do you think it's worth going after either of those guys in free agency? Let's start let's start with Chris Thompson. No. I do not want a Redskins running back for the life of me. If you want to stash some AJP Ryan, maybe. But I do not want Rob Kelly. I do not want Chris Thompson. I, d- I don't want some AJP Ryan either, but I would understand if you're really high on him for some reason and you want that. I don't want anything to do with the Redskins running back. I didn't want anything to do with the Redskins running back last year either. And that's going to continue. It's just there. It changes every time. All of a sudden, Chris Thompson looks like he's going to be really good after he has two good games, and then he disappears for six weeks. It's it's very it's very troublesome to have them on your team. I don't like that at all. In terms of Shane Vereen, I'm I'm in on Shane Vereen. I, I understand that he's going to get you a consistent ten PPR points, and if you're in a running back hole and you can just put him there as your RB two then you're going to be perfectly happy with that as long as you have my receivers. And so I, I completely understand Shane Vereen. Paul Perkins, I think, is overrated. He, there's been a lot of hype about Paul Perkins, and he's done nothing to prove that he's good. And Shane Vereen's the only other running back there. So if there's not three running backs like there might be in Washington. There's at least only two that are semi-formidable. And Shane Vereen's a PPR guy. We all know that. He's been like that since he was on the Patriots. And I was sad I had to drop him due to my unfortunate quarterback situation last week. <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much agree with what you said. But I knew I forgot one rookie running back, and his name is Christian McCaffrey. And then we'll move That's on right. to uh, more eloquent positions. McCaffrey just didn't have a good game. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, he fumbled. He had 47 yards on 13 attempts, and... He had five catches for 38 yards, but didn't really get much going in the receiving game other than some screen passes that they set up for him. I just didn't look explosive through the holes, and uh, I was not impressed. I'll leave it at that. I was very surprised by how Carolina used Jonathan Stewart. 
I was expecting Jonathan Stewart to be a non-factor. Why give Jonathan Stewart 18 carries? We've we know he is not a good running back. We have seen this for the past two or three years. Jonathan Stewart should not be taking carries from you if you're Christian McCaffrey. The issue with McCaffrey is he's honestly a better receiver than he is a running back right now. And th I, that's why Stewart's getting so many carries. And I think, I think Curtis Samuel is probably a better running back than Christian McCaffrey is right now. But McCaffrey's just even more dynamic and better in the receiving game. But I agree. I was disappointed by McCaffrey. And I was someone that was low on McCaffrey coming into the season. I don't. I didn't have him as one of my top rookie running backs. I think. I just think there's too much going on in that Carolina backfield in terms of how are they going to use Curtis Samuel, Cam Newton, still the goal line running back, pretty much. It's there's a lot of moving parts in Carolina, and I was disappointed by the usage of McCaffrey, but I do think it will improve throughout the year as they try to make this more dynamic offense in that punch offense that they had two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. Well, here's the other thing I'll say. Uh, they beat up on the 49ers and McCaffrey fumbled. So if you're Carolina, you don't want to throw a rookie running back out there who just fumbled to try to seal the game against the Niners. They couldn't, I mean, Jonathan Stewart's probably better between the tackles and he's a more reliable running back, especially in a game that McCaffrey fumbled in. I think the reason we saw so many Stewart carries was because Carolina was just trying to put the game away. But if they really wanted someone to make plays, if they were in a ball game or if they were trying to come from behind, I think we'd see much more McCaffrey. I, I still like McCaffrey, but I think they need to be smart about when they run him. I mean, in the passing game, he can play in the slot. He can come out of the backfield. He'll be okay. And I think he'll be better into space once he gets used to the speed in maybe two or three weeks. Running-wise, he's not going to get goal line. Just he's not. It's either going to be Stewart or, or Cam Newton. But I think mm. they can use him in a way where he can get 50 to 60 yards a game and get on decent yards per carry. I mean, I know he had a low yards per carry this week, but I think they kind of force-fed him a little bit early. They tried to feature him too much early. I think try to get the ball to Kelvin Benjamin. Try to get it to Greg Olson. Try to open up that passing game and then say, hey, we have this cool running back, this dynamic running back. Let's get him involved after we set up the passing game. Yeah, no, I agree, and I, I do think it will improve throughout the year. I just think there's so many moving parts that they didn't necessarily know what to do. And like they got, obviously, Ron Rare is a good coach. It just, it didn't really click. Like the, Obviously, they smacked the 49ers, but their offense wasn't impressive looking in, I don't think, in any stance. Cam Newton didn't look good. McCaffrey didn't look good. Benjamin didn't look good. Olsen certainly didn't look good. It was just a disappointing, disappointing performance by the Panthers, I would say. Will get better, but I said let's move on from the rookie running backs and move on to the waiver wire. I we didn't talk about this, but I would love to hear your thoughts and because I keep going back and forth on this guy. Why and right now I'm in. Right now I'm in. I just want to clarify so you know, right now I'm in. Cooper Cup. On the Rams, you have Sammy Watkins, you have Robert Woods there currently, technically ahead of him on the depth chart. Is Cooper Cup really going to make an impact? Because Sammy Watkins, you assume, is going to turn into an every down player again, please, because he has so much talent and has done nothing so far. But can he beat out Robert Woods for that second starting wide receiver position? And can he make an impact? He was a leading wide receiver for Jared Goff this past, this past week. He had a touchdown. He looked. They looked like they had a good type of connection. And 
I think that can be something going forward. But what what do you think about Cooper Cup? I was impressed week one. I I mean, here's the thing. The Colts stink. The Colts are really, really terrible. And that's why Jared Goff looks so good. So the amount of like yard and I think Jared Goff's gonna be a lot better this year, but I mean three hundred six yards. People do, n- do not run to rush and pick up Jared Goff on the waiver wire. Three hundred six yards on twenty one completions is may never happen again in his career. So I think you need to be careful with what you look at from the yardage estimates from LA's receiving this week. I mean, Cup had 76 yards and a touchdown on four receptions, but he only had six targets. So it's not like he was the be-all, end-all in that offense. And granted, they weren't throwing a lot in the second half, but Sammy Watkins had five targets. Todd Gurley had six. Robert Woods had five. And either T- Tyler Higby had three, and I expect him to have a bigger role as they play tougher teams. I like Cooper Cup. I think he's better than Robert Woods. I think he's going to be able to get that playing time over Robert Woods. I compare him to Nelson Aguilar in Philly, who's a guy who I want to talk about in a minute, because Alshon Jeffrey's their big guy, and Alshon Jeffrey's going to see the number one receiver every week. But if Alshon Jeffrey isn't good enough to beat the number one corner every week, if he's not good enough to beat the number one corner, then it goes to the second receiver in the offense. And that's where Cooper Cup comes in with Sam Watkins. And that's where Nelson Aguilar comes in in Philly. I think Cooper Cup is good. I think way too many people are going to pick him up this week. He's a guy who probably won't score a lot of touchdowns, probably going to have a lot of five catches for 60-yard gains. He's going to be like a Kendall Wright player in terms of production this year. I don't see a lot of big 15-plus point games in PPRs from him. I agree with that. I, I, I do think he will end up getting that second spot, and I am in on Cooper Cup, but... I think he can end up getting by, you know, week eight, week nine, gonna get you that consistent 12 to 16, 13 to 17 type points per game in a PPR league. And it, I mean, it obviously depends on your squad, but you can be fine with that in your flex spot. And that's, that's a hundred percent good. And you'd much rather have a consistent bench guy than someone that's getting you 18 and then two and then 18 again. I would put that range a little too high. I don't I don't see him getting going eight catches for 110 yards at, at any point in the season. I think he's going to be a guy who goes like nine to 14 points a game. But consistent, right. he's not going to give you any duds. Yes, I agree with that. He's... he's not a hit or miss. He is the opposite of a Deshaun Jackson type or something like that. Which is a little interesting considering he only had four catches in week one. I mean, there are a lot of players. I mean, Austin Hooper being one of them was probably going to get picked up in a lot of leagues this week. I mean, Austin Hooper had two catches. And Austin Hooper is going to have like two points next week. In all likelihood. In all likelihood. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I like Cooper Cup, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Who I'm more optimistic about is Nelson Aguilar, who I just mentioned. And the reason being is he can play in the slot. So not that Cooper Cup can't play in the slot. I think Nelson Aguilar is a better slot receiver. So he can play on the outside or they can move into the slot in three receiver sets, which means he's getting moved around. He's getting matched up on different guys. And he's in. He's able to be in the game no matter what formation they're in. And Alshon Jeffrey, no matter what, it's getting the number one corner. I liked how they used him on some screen passes, on some short plays, let him run after the catch. Six for 86 and a touchdown. I think he had eight targets. I'm in on Nelson Aguilar. I agree, and the other difference between Aguilar and Cup is he's on a good team, and he's Carson Wentz throwing him the ball over Jared Goff. And 
Carson Wentz looked really good. Yeah, he did. He look looked good. really good this he week. Did, he did look and, good. <laughs> well, I'm I'm still holding out on jumping on the Carson Wentz bandwagon, but he looked good this week, moving around. Like it was it was impressive. So you have a lot more faith in that Eagles offense than anything the Rams will do the rest of the season. And so Aguilar being the second wide receiver, and honestly Alshon Jeffrey doing nothing pretty much and just not being effective may benefit, as you said, if your number one wide, number one wide receiver can't beat that double coverage or can't beat the number one corner, then that's sort of what happens. One more wide receiver I want to hit on is Galladay. He's the third wide receiver in Detroit. I view it as a similar situation to Cooper Cup in the terms of can he end up beating out Marvin Jones for that number two spot? No. Because Detroit has no type of red zone threats. Eric Ebron is not a red zone threat. Marvin Jones, not a red zone threat. Galladay, red zone threat. I think I think he can end up beating him out. I think I'm not do I'm not running to pick him up this this week, but I wouldn't be surprised if midseason, end of the season, we're seeing him be that number two wide receiver that's getting three, four catches a game, getting 40 yards and a touchdown. And he's going to end up being their touchdown guy, which he, which Stafford has not had since Calvin left. I'm not super in on Kenny Galladay. I mean, he, he came across my radar in the preseason, and I looked at him and I was like, hmm, I don't know, but I saw a couple of, of sites that I, I like saying that he was a sleeper. And, and I looked into a little bit. I mean, everyone in Detroit was all about Galladay in the preseason. I, th- I think he's good. I think he's a good football player. I mean, he's big, he's 6'4", and he had a good game. But I don't trust guys who rely too heavily on touchdowns, especially especially if you're in a PPR. If you can just get those free points through those receptions, just uh, those are much more consistent way of getting points. I mean, he had four catches on seven targets. Seven targets isn't bad. But in a game that they scored 35 points in, I would expect him to do a little bit more than that in terms of a target standpoint. And he scored touchdowns on half of his catches and didn't even get to 70 yards. So maybe he gets 50 yards a week, but he's not going to get a touchdown every week. He's not going to get two touchdowns every week. If he goes three for 50 and a touchdown, you can play him. But if he goes two for 45 and, they, and he doesn't get any touchdowns, I mean, I, I think it's going to be volatile. I think he'll have weeks where he gets a touchdown or two. I think he'll have weeks where he doesn't score at all. And, and if, he doesn't score. I don't think you can play him. Yeah, I mean that's going to be the issue. Is, it, is that he is touchdown dependent? But I look at that Detroit team and how do they get the ball in the red zone? Abdul is not going to be able to do it. Reddick's not going to be able to do it. I think that's their go-to guy, and I think that's maybe his role. And he might literally just be a red zone threat when he has three or four catches in a touchdown. So that that's going to be very frustrating to Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and. Uh, Abdullah owners. Yeah. And it's going to be frustrating for Galladay owners too because there are going to be weeks where he doesn't score. Yep. 100%. So do you have any um, big surprises week one that we can um, round out this pod with? And then um, next week, we have some plan for you guys next week too to hit on some bigger names. But uh, week one, we decided not to overreact too much. Yes. If you're worried about tight ends, stop worrying about tight ends. Everyone had a bad week. It's not a big deal. If your big stud wide receiver didn't do anything, it also doesn't matter. It's fine. Start worrying after week two. That's when you come back and you're like, shoot, it's not bad. Like, I, I might be in trouble. I might need to make some tra- changes, look for the trade. 
don't trade after week one, really. Well, here's, I'd, I'd relax. Uh-huh. Here's the other thing I want to say about the tight end position. I mean, tight end's deep, and there's really not a big difference from the number five tight end to the number 15 tight end. I'm staring at, in our league, I'm staring at our free agency right now. Jesse James, Austin Hooper, Kobe Fleener, Charles Clay, Jared Cook, Ev, even Ingr- Evan Ingram, I mean, even Zach Miller, A.J. Derby, even O.J. Howard, if you wanted to get wild and crazy. I, I There's so many tight ends out there that are just like mediocre and probably going to get you eight points in the 14 they score a touchdown that there's no reason to fret over Hunter Henry, even though he had no targets, and that's kind of concerning. <laughs> but Agreed. Uh, I, you know, I didn't have any huge surprises this week, if we're being totally honest. I didn't have any huge surprises. I'm not sure if you had any huge surprises. Maybe I'm forgetting something. But um, what I will say is if you are a David Johnson owner, it's 8 to 12 weeks, hold on to him. Do not drop him. I know it's going to be tough to make the playoffs with your number one pick out for 8 to 12 weeks. I know he may be back for the start of the playoffs at the best. But you have to hold on to him. And don't go crazy and go pick up Chris Johnson or Kerwin Williams because those are Andre Ellington. Those guys are all going to get six carries a game. Just stay out of the Arizona backfield, hold on to David Johnson, and figure it out when he comes back. Yep. I Do not do not dive in. Do not. If you have the number one waiver wire pickup, which sadly I do in our league, I am not going after Arizona running back. I don't want any part of that. I agree. So I think that um, wraps us up for today. Uh, we'll have a lot more for you next week with uh, some bigger names and, and some general trends throughout the season. Before we go, shout out, Scott, to your boy, Mike Tolbert, on his big effort this weekend. Hope to see more of my guy from Buffalo going forward. Let's go! <laughs> and uh, that's all. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.